Well, as uh, Pastor said, my name is Richard. I'm the uh, director for Victor Outreach UK, which is a rehabilitation program that we run for men and women, mainly in South Wales. And uh, we have lots of men and women on our program that have come from lifestyles of addiction, um, all kinds of stories that are heartbreaking. And some of those are with me this morning. They're my family. And uh, I'm not going to ask them all to stand again. We've already done that. But I'm going to get one or two of them out to share their stories with you. And then I'm going to bring a message this morning that actually, in the midst of all this, us creating awareness of our work, the Lord has given me a word for this church and for you this morning that are gathered here. So wherever you've come from today, I trust as, as I open God's word a bit later, God will speak right into your life. Um, so I'm going to get the first testimony up. Before we do that, I'm just going to give you a bit of background. The work of Victor Oves UK started in the 60s in the streets of London. When a young woman called Dinah Sansom was on the streets helping people who were homeless and needed food and needed clothes. But then she would leave them on the streets when she went home to a nice comfy bungalow in the Forest of Dean. And she was challenged by this and decided that it's great to feed them and clothe them, but then they've got nowhere to go. So she opened up her own home. She took them in, she converted the loft, and then she had two or three bedrooms in the loft of this bungalow. And she brought some of these drug addicts home to her house. Against the device of the church at the time, because of course... A young 18-year-old girl bringing three drug addicts onto her house was not advisable by the pastor of the church. And so she did this against the advice of the pastor of the church, and she was looked down upon for it, but she continued to do it. And such is the immensity of her love for people that the work grew and grew and grew. And today we know we have four homes, large properties, one of which is a hotel, our main men's home called the Bush Hotel in Abertillery, which is where I was converted to Christ in 1993. And uh, we have many guys and girls through our program whose lives have been completely transformed. If you don't believe in God this morning, by the time you leave this meeting, you will be challenged in your thinking. Because you see, while there's a lot of good people out there trying to do a lot of good things, counselors, psychiatrists, doctors, nurses, rehabilitation programs, you know, sometimes it's not, the drugs are not the issue. The issue is the issue of the heart. And only God can change the heart of a man or a woman. No one else can because he created it in the first place. So I'm going to ask... Um, Joel to come up first, who's, uh, he'll tell you his story, he's, he's also the manager of one of our men's home. Would you welcome him as he comes and gives his story? Hi, how are you all doing today? I'm not from around here, but uh, I come here a couple of years ago and uh, it's, it's a little warmer than it was back then, but it's uh, good to be back, it's lovely, lovely to be here with you. Um, my name's Joel and I'm... Uh, Manager of the men's home, one of the men's home in Victory Outreach. Uh, tell you about my life. I started out born in London, uh, had a really abusive dad, and uh, my mom moved me to America to get me away from him uh, when I was nine years old. Um, needless to say, I grew up very angry and hurt, and, and, and all I knew was anger and pain, and so I didn't really care about much of anything. And by the time I was 13, I was a drug addict and alcoholic making every wrong choice in life, you know. I never knew love, so I didn't think there was love. Um, by the time I was 14, I did my first prison term. Uh, we moved from New York to California, tried to get me away from it, and all that did was find me a new place to get in trouble. Um, 18, I was in San Quentin for four years. Uh, not all when I was 18, I was 18 through 21. Joe, just to say... I don't know if any of you know this, but San Quentin is a famous prison. It's one of the top maximum security prisons in America. And uh, you've got, he, 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 just to let you know, he escaped from there. 
and um, Twice. he's here this morning. No, I'm only messing with you. I'm only messing with you. <laughs> Carry on, Joel. No, and so, so that's, that, that was me in a nutshell. I was just, a, you know, a hurt, angry kid that didn't know anything turned into a hurt, angry man and uh, just kept doing all the wrong things. Um, somewhere along the way, a, a girl was, wasn't the brightest thing in the world, but she married me. Um, it was a look-see, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a curse sometimes, but what do you do? I was going to get up here and tell you some jokes, but I thought I'd just stand here and look funny. But uh, um, No, and I just, you know, that was the first time I ever loved anybody other than myself. That was my kids. Um, but it wasn't enough to change me. And I, I kept doing the same things, you know. I, I loved my kids. And then at night I was out doing, doing bad things. And uh, I kept ending back up in prison after prison after prison. Um, after about, I don't know. Just over 13 years, I served in different prisons in California. Uh, America had enough. They got fed up with me and decided to deport me for life. So I got deported from America four and a half years ago, away from my kids. And uh, I kind of just gave up on life. It dropped me off in the streets in London. And I figured I'd just drink myself to death. And uh, I was doing a pretty good job of it, too. And uh, I, I always lived my life was was just about me, not caring about anybody, you know? Because that's all I knew. And I, I didn't know God, didn't want to know God, didn't believe in God. I always figured, like, if, if there's a God, why would he let people like me do the things that I was doing to people, you know? And uh, that, that's how I lived. And that's how I wanted to die. Well, I was on the streets in London in a, in a big old mess. And, uh, a buddy of mine got me to go to Christmas Eve service in a little old Baptist church. One as lively as you guys. But, but the people were lovely. They, they, they didn't look down on me. They, there was something in them that, that I thought, man, there's something there. And it gave me a glimmer of hope. And, and from there, I, I decided I wanted to live. And the pastor at that church, he, uh, I, I called him one morning and said, I need help. And he said, give me a few days. And Next thing I know, he said, pack a suitcase. And uh, he picked me up one morning, and the next thing I woke up in Wales. <laughs> uh, but it's lovely, yeah, but. <laughs> no, and, uh, you know, I was, I was such a mess when I got there that I couldn't, couldn't feed myself, couldn't dress myself. I shook so bad for like weeks. I thought I was broke. But the guys there at the home at the time, they, they took care of me. They loved me, and they, they cut my food up for me. They dressed me. They shaved me, you know. They, they, showed, me, they showed me Jesus, and, and that was something I'd never seen before. Well, it was, talk about a culture shock, Abitillary, Wales, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I gave my life to the Lord. Pastor Richard started the church down there. And uh, me and the lads in the home at the time, we got to build the church. And, and we just threw ourselves in that. And, and I haven't looked back, you know. It's just, it's just amazes me. I get to see these guys come through the homes every day, you know, and the changes in them. You're going to hear these stories. And just to be a part of that and, and be able to, 
help somebody else. It's, it's, it's amazing, you know. Can't even put it into words. It's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. Because it doesn't pay much. <laughs> and then... <laughs> That's why we're a charity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, it's, it's, it's just amazing. And, and it's such an honor and a blessing to be able to come to share my story with you guys. And, uh, you know, my whole, my whole adult life, I, I used to wish my dad was still alive so I could give him a beating a few times and pay him back a bit. Yeah, I thought it was funny too, love. <laughs> but now I wish he was alive so I could tell him about Jesus and tell him what he did for me. And uh, I just want to thank you for letting us be here and sharing. Thank you, Joe. Love you guys. God bless you all. <laughs> sure. huh? Johnny, uh, Johnny, would you come up? Did you see the American God bless you all as he left? It's kind of an American thing. We're trying to get him into politics. Morning. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not from Wales either. I'm an Irishman. If you can't understand me, tough. Uh, yeah, I'm in the house that Joel, Joel manages and uh, I've been in factory outreach just over a year now but from a young age uh, I got myself into a mess in the streets in Belfast and that running about just acting in Egypt thinking it was a cool thing to do taking drugs but I started off with the party drugs and that first and the nightclubs and that but it just leads you on to bigger harder drugs and before I knew it I was I was injecting heroin and ended up I had a family lost all my kids four kids lost my family ended up I had to leave my country because of the crimes I was committing and I ended up in Scotland and I thought that was it life was over I would do the same as it Joel says I would just take drugs to have died. But uh, I ended up, a Christian fellow stopped me in the street one day and I thought the fellow was nuts. <laughs> but he says, uh, there's help for you, there's, there's somebody that loves you. And I couldn't understand it, like, love, like, I love, but he says, Jesus loves you. I thought, Jesus, the only time I ever thought of Jesus was when I was standing in court. Lord, help me get me out of this one. I'll behave myself. Never worked. Uh, but I ended up, they were telling me they could get me into a rehab in Wales. And I was Irishman from Ireland to Scotland, from Scotland to Wales. I'm a traveler. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I ended up, uh, I come down to Wales Abba Tulare, the Bush Hotel, where Pastor Richard and that has been at. And it's the same thing. Like, I, I come into the house, I was sick. I, I couldn't even get out of my bed. Uh, the boys, they would just, they would want to help you. They, they love you. They, but I didn't understand it because usually when somebody done that for me, they, they were looking for something. Your money or what drugs you had or what crimes you were helping them with. And it was hard and like I grew up in the Free P Presbyterian Church and I ain't normal like this. Uh, it's a culture shock for me that. But I ended up in 
devotion. I struggled with the Christianity side of things for a long time because of the background I was from. And I ended up, I gave my life to the Lord. He broke me. And I think you have to be broke to need the help of Jesus because I couldn't do it in my strength. I couldn't do it at all. And from waking up in the mornings to sticking a needle in my arm, I'm waking up in the morning now and reaching for a Bible. And it's, it's just crazy. And I would like to praise God and thank him for everything that he's done for me. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you, John. Um, Kelly, you come on up. Kelly was uh, one of the managers of the girls. I'm going to give her a story. Welcome as she comes. Hello. Good morning. Um, <laughs> it's lovely to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, as Pastor Richard said, my name's Kelly. Um, I've been in Victory Outreach since 2007. Um, it's been... My life's been a roller coaster. Growing up, um, my parents were heroin addicts and my mum worked the streets as a prostitute. And as you can imagine, I didn't have a very good role model. I didn't get shown the right love, um, the right guidance that I needed. So from very young, I started searching for that love in all different things. I started smoking, drinking, you know, trying to fit in with the crowd. I started having boyfriends, you know, trying to... I didn't know this at the time, but looking back, I was always trying to find that missing, some what was missing inside of me. Um, in my teenage years, um, I started taking party drugs, um, and then I started sleeping around at a very young age, and I fell pregnant. And I always said that, I'd never get rid of the child, so I had him. But I was still a child, having a child. I was very mixed up. Um, and, you know, it's hard to admit, but I couldn't look after him, you know. But I didn't want to put him through what my mum had put through, and I did try my hardest. But um, eventually I got this woman says to me, she said, just try some of this. She said, it'll really help you because I had a lot of memories, a lot of torment, a lot of pain, you know, and I was trying to, you know, mask it up. So I, I tried heroin, even though, like, it had destroyed my mum's life. I said that I'd never touch it. I got introduced to it, and, you know, it did. It took that pain and that hurt away. It, it made me feel like I could face anything. But in the, in the midst of all that, it was just destroying me even more. I lost the thing. Well, not the thing, but Cora my little boy, the thing that, you know, that I, the only thing that I got love from and shown love to somebody, and I lost him, and I just went on self-destruct. I thought, what is the point? And then I was, for the next five years after I lost him, he went to live in my auntie's care. I just was on a constant roller coaster. I was going in prison, getting out of prison, going back to the drugs, getting clean. And it, this was a circle for five years. I tried methadone. I tried different programs, counsellors, all sorts. But nothing could change me. And in 2007, I made the decision to come to Victory Outreach. And I tell you, God has just transformed my life. You know, I've never felt a love and a peace that I feel now. 
you know, and I, I'm able now, I've, be, I've been privileged to, to be, you know, part of um, the women's home and I help run that and God's just, just doing an amazing thing in my life. Um, it's turned my mess into a wonderful message and now I get the opportunity to go into the prisons, go into the darkness and just to share the light of what I've got inside me and just give hope to other people because it's a nasty, it's a nasty world out there. You know, there's people that are dying. My mum, she's still locked in that cycle of heroin addiction and she just, she just doesn't want to know. I try to speak to her about it, but she just, she just pushes me away. But do you know what? I'm believing that God's just going to do a miracle in her life as well. You know, I'm going to see her set free from that drug addiction one day. You know, and I just thank you for um, listening to me. I don't know why, but I've just got, I'm shaking like mad. I think it's them lights. <laughs> it might but be the whole, might, be, anyway. might, might be the Holy Ghost. You just be careful. You never know. Just, um, well done. Do you want to introduce one of the girls? Yeah. One of the girls. Um, I'll ask um, Susie to come up and share her testimony. You know, I've been here six years. She's very, very new. She's only been with us for three weeks and... She's just doing an ama- amazing, God's done an amazing work in her life. Okay. Hiya, I'm Susie. I've been at Victory Outreach for five weeks. Um, my childhood was really good. Um, I had everything really, really good family. Um, But when I started senior school, um, I had problems with some girls and that made my confidence and self-esteem go down. Um, I always struggled with my confidence. Um, um, I started smoking and drinking from like a really young age. Um, I was drinking to give me the confidence. Um, I always felt that something was missing and I didn't know what it was. Um, And I sort of looked for it in in boys from like quite a young age. Um, When I was 18, I got into my first serious relationship and I, I sort of worshipped the ground he walked on, really. Um, after a few months, I found out he was um, a her- like he was a heroin, and I was really hurt and angry, and <coughs> ended up doing it myself. Um, after a few months, I found that it was something that I needed every day. And I did some not very nice things. I stole from my family and um, just wasn't a very nice person. When I was 21, um, I fell pregnant. I had my little boy. Um, after that, me, I got postnatal depression and that was quite bad. So my me, um, me addiction just got worse. Um, by this time I'd finished with um, my son's father and um, I'd 
jumped into a relationship with somebody else who was um, s still taking drugs. Um, after a few months, um, he he was he started to get really violent and um, he messed around with my head a lot and um, I just sort of self-destruct and started using heavily. Um, once it all come out what was happening, um, my mum got residency and my son and then I just really give up. I was self-harming, um, trying to overdose. Um, I went into um, women's refuge. They tried to help, but I just kept going back. Um, I eventually finished that relationship, and um, a few, well, about six weeks ago, my mum found an article in the paper from um, a man who had done a Christian rehab from the church in Hartlepool and um, she told me to call him so I, I phoned him and I thought I was just going down for a chat and the next thing I know he's arranged for me to come to victory <laughs> um, but from that day um, I seemed to, I just got the strength that I'd never had before and even I, I was still on um, a treatment program, methadone treatment, and I just decided to stop that. And I got th like, well, Jesus gave me the strength to get through it because I've never done it myself. Um, after two weeks, I gave myself to Jesus and got baptized the same day. And I just feel now that I've got um, happiness back and um, my relationship with my family is really close now. Um, and I'm just thankful to Pastor Richard, the church, Victory Outreach, and to Jesus for what he's done for me. Well done. You did great. Well done. Well, what we wanted to do there, just, just briefly, is just to show you that we have people who have been with us a long time. They become staff members, some just a couple of years, and some just literally through the doors. So you can see the, the, the variation. Lucy's going to come. Lucy's graduated from our program. She's now in independent living, and uh, she works on the church voluntary. Just welcome her as she comes. Hiya, my name's Lucy. Um, I'm from North East Scotland, a little town called Fraserburgh, it's near Aberdeen. Um, uh, yeah, so growing up for me it wasn't very good. My dad was on the fishing boats and um, I think like my mum, she wasn't very nice to me. Um, we moved away from Fraserburgh up to the Shetland Islands and from that point on, it just got worse and worse. I ended up in foster care. 
Um, and then I ended up in, in and out of foster care and in and out of the children's homes and that because I just couldn't seem to live with my mum. Um, this went on for years until I was 14 and then there was like a massive incident between me and my mum and I got moved into the children's home on a more permanent basis. Um, when I was there I thought it would be really good to sort of make friends with the other kids that lived there but they were drinking and smoking and that so I drank and smoked just to fit in with them. Um, this, I took it a bit far because I ended up just like drinking at any possible point I could get drink and smoking at any possible time that I could get drugs or fags or anything and um, I ended up getting expelled from school at the age of 15. Um, I moved out of the children's home at the age of 17 and I moved into my own little flat which went wasn't very good for me because I had my own freedom. So I was drinking every day, smoking every day, and I eventually lost that flat and moved into a hostel, and that was where I was introduced to heroin. Um, I was addicted to heroin for six years, and during that time I was in and out of prison. I um, met my ex-boyfriend. We had a child. Um, she was adopted two years ago now, I think. Um, and I, I tried getting clean. I tried methadone, tablets, counsellors, all the same as what Kelly had, but nothing could break the, the chains of addiction off my life. Like, I could get clean for, like, a few days, like, properly clean, not using anything, go through the illness and that. But then it was always in the back of my mind. Like, it would be like, oh, I'm clean now. I could, I could go. I could get another one. That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, I won't get addicted again. But as soon as I did that, just messed everything up again. Um, I come to Victory Outreach from prison in 2010. Um, my cousin had heard about Victory Outreach UK and um, she'd sent my application in for me. Now, when I was in court, the sheriff actually said to me, you've had all the chances we're going to give you. You're not going to be going to rehab. You're getting a nine-month prison sentence. But I really believe that God intervened on that because I was released after eight days to come to Victory Outreach UK and I had no knowledge of it whatsoever until the warden come up and told me I was getting released. Um, I was a mess when I come in. Like, um, obviously, like heroin addiction had taken its toll on me and I wasn't very nice. And, but the first thing that I noticed when I, when I, before I actually even got in the house... Um, We'd pulled up just outside the house and there was one of the girls that come running up to me and gave me a hug and I was stood there like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I, didn't, I thought she was wanting something from me. I didn't even know who she was. It turned out she was one of the girls. And I walked into the house and all I got shown that night and, and for the whole time I was there was just love. Like, I'd never experienced that before in my life. It was usually, you know, like people are nice to you so that they could get money or get drugs or, you know, get whatever else they wanted from me but this was like pure genuine love and I, I, I could see from some like I could just see in their eyes and that they had something different in them um, nine days after arriving I gave my life to to Jesus because I, I tried it on myself and everything that I was getting taught made sense as well so um, I got baptized I um, Started going into the prisons and um, working alongside Kelly and Trudy with the prison ministry. Um, I I just sort of testified when I could and 
and and then it came to a point where I really felt like I was ready to leave. Um, so I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> five and a half months ago, I got my own tenancy. Um, I moved out. I still um, volunteer at Victory Church. I just do anything that I can put my hand to, um, you know. And uh, yeah, everything is is going quite good, and it's all through Jesus. And I just give Him praise for that. Thank you, Lucy. Just a, oh. okay. What I'm going to ask. Uh, Lucy, Lucy to do, um, again, I've shown you a variation. Lucy left five and a half months ago because my biggest aim is not just getting people in rehab, but it's getting them back into independent living, connected to a Christian community. So we, and that's been my efforts for the last three years. And we've had more people graduate from our program and continue to stay clean. Because you see, rehabs will call great success rates, but that's only based on people while they're there. When they leave, that's the determining factor, how well they do. And uh, we have many, like Lucy now, who are in independent living. Some are married and some have got their own jobs and doing really, really, really well. If we brought them all here, I'd have to bring a coach, so I couldn't, we couldn't afford it. Um, so, Lucy, you, your, your, your testimony, you've written a song, haven't you? And yeah. uh, do, you, do you want to sing that for us? Yeah. Do you want to sing a testimony to you? Well, I wrote a song. Um, it was actually on Kelly's birthday in 2011 um, and it just it really sort of brought together everything that I was feeling and maybe it's for somebody else as well you can't see the woods for the trees you've come so far and now you're back on your knees you're finding people just too hard to please but what did you expect to see? There's only one who's there for you and me. He's the one, he's the lifter of my head. Without his grace, I know that I'd be dead. He gave his life, he gave everything to you and me. Tell me, what does he have to do to make you see? You have to be on your knees Just turn around now, give your heart back to him He'll give you a new song in your mouth for you to sing Just turn around now, give your heart back to him He'll give you a new song in your mouth for you to sing Now get up off your knees He's a God of new mercies he hears your heartfelt pleas. Now get above your knees. Well done, Lucy. Thank you, darling. Well done. That's great. Thank you, Lucy. Hello. Name's George. I'm 20 years old. Um, life growing up for me was... Good. Mum loved me. She did everything she could for me. George, you'll be happy with that Mike fella. I know it's stage fright. You're like Tom Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Where's that young lad, Luke? Anyway, put the mic up by your mouth, George, so they can yeah. hear you at the back. Right by your mouth, that's it. Um, you know, I got to an age uh, when I was 13 where I was losing interest in, in a lot of things. You know, I was getting nasty towards my mum. I wasn't paying attention in school. I started smoking. Um, that carried on till I was 14 and then I started drinking 
you know, and hanging around with the wrong people. And uh, I was getting in all kinds of trouble. Um, anything gone wrong, I was there. At 15 and that, I did some crazy stuff. You know, crashed my mum's car and everything. And she really got annoyed with me and she kicked me out. So that left me, uh, it was a couple of days before Christmas it was, and that left me nowhere to go. But my nan took me in and I stayed there for two years. But during them two years, Granddad wasn't very well and everything. And I was still drinking, I was doing, still doing the same stuff, you know. By that point, though, I was, uh, you know, I was always in the police station and that, and I was always having my nan to come and get me out. And I was always on bail. And um, then my granddad died in 2011, you know, and that was, that was really hard for me, you know, because I watched him suffer. And um, when he died, I couldn't believe it. You know, he was my—he was the only person who I could really talk to about my family. And that, when when I found out that, that sent me off the wall. You know, I hit the rails really bad, and I was drinking like there was no tomorrow. You know, I was doing all the crazy stuff even more. And um, my other nan got involved, and um, she said, oh, "I'll take you to come and live with me for a bit, see if you calm down." I did for a bit, you know, and um, I started again, you know, um, hanging around with wrong people, taking drugs and everything. And uh, um, Christmas time, 2011, I did some really nasty stuff to my nans, what I'm really I'm ashamed of, you know. And um, that was a week before Christmas, and. Uh, I got sent to court and everything. I got told, I got um, restraining orders put on me, not allowed to go with within 100 feet and that of my family or nothing. So that was me for the first time on my own, you know. I had nowhere to go and that. So um, they let me out of court and uh, I went to the council the next morning. They put me in a B&B and um, you know, I was alone really was alone, but it didn't help me being in the B&B because it was a pub downstairs, so I was always down there. But that was the first Christmas I've ever been on my own, you know, and it was, I think it's one of my worstest Christmas I've ever had, you know, stuck in a B&B on your own, eating a pot noodle, um, with just drink around you, no one with you, no one to say happy Christmas to you, you know. I was a mess, I was, a, you know, I cried. You know, and um, I thought I'd change, thought I'd try and get things back to normal, but it didn't happen. January, I got arrested again. I got my uh, restraining order, got put on an extra year and a half and everything. And I got given a suspended sentence. And um, I kept going back into court and that, and they were just, you know, kept letting me off till last year, till the 29th of June. They got really fed up with me and they sent me down for five weeks. You know, um, that was hard. You know, um, I did them five weeks and I thought, I won't be coming back. I won't come back. But that day I got out, the 6th of August last year, I found myself back drinking that very day. 
But later that day, about nine o'clock that night, I got arrested again. And um, I was back in court the next day, and they sent me back down for six months. And I did three. During them three months, um, I had this lady come talk to me about Victory Outreach and that and tell me what to do and what they do and everything. So I applied for that. And, uh, you know, I'm here now. I've been here, been here eight months now. You know, and during that time, I've come a long way. And it's all because of God. And that I got saved after a couple of weeks of being here. I got, you know, when I walked into the Bush Hotel, it's the main home, for all the lads to be ex-drug addicts, ex, you know, everything, but to show the love from them, for the love of all them, you wouldn't believe it, you know. And you could see it in them, it was God, it was Jesus and that, you know. And I spent Christmas there, and that was an awesome Christmas, you know. Um, and then, now I'm at Rahilla, Joe's my manager at the home. And, um, you know, God's got a lot of plan for me and everything, you know. I just spent my birthday there, and again, the love they shown for me and everything, you know, and I thank Victory Outreach for everything, and I thank God as well, and I give him the glory. Amen. That's great. Well done, Charles. That's great. Yeah. Well done. Just before I get the uh, next testimony out, let me just give you a little bit of background as well so you, you, you know. Um, through our homes, we, we create a family environment for people. We're not a center. We're, we're not clinical psychologists or nurses. We're just a bunch of ex-drug addicts who love Jesus and want to help other drug addicts. So it's just one big mess, really, to be honest with you. <laughs> and we pretend to be professional by wearing shirt and tie. But actually, you know, we're just ordinary people who have discovered an incredible thing. And there's one, one of our residents who uses this phrase a lot, uh, you know, uh, we're just one beggar that's found bread. And we want to tell other beggars where they can find bread as well. And that's really what the heart of this ministry is, making a difference one life at a time. We believe that we can make a difference, even if it is one life at a time. We really, really can. Um, the work started in the 60s by a woman called Dinah Samson and her husband David on the streets of London. And then it progressed then over many years to what it is today with four homes we have currently in Wales. And we couldn't bring everybody here, otherwise we'd have to get a coach and everything else. And uh, it, you know, so we only brought a small amount of our team with us this morning, but I hope you enjoy their stories as much as I do listening to them. And it's a great privilege for me because I came out of church life, I was a pastor up in the Midlands here, in Tipton actually, where you've just had a terrorist attack. In Tipton, can you believe that? I can actually, yeah, I, I lived there. <laughs> I remember pastoring there, and the first person that came up to me, I don't know where they were from, they went, oh, Roy Cock. And I've never been called that before, because I found it very unusual when I was pastoring there, so I punched him in the face. <clears throat> he was one of the elders. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but I did love the black country. I got a great uh, heart, my, my mother-in-law. God bless her soul. She lives in the black country in Tipton here as well. So, um, but, but, you know, we, we're in the business of making a difference one life at a time. But we realize with all the agencies that do a great work out there, like counseling and uh, drug workers, and some of you might be involved in that, and we thank God for you. 
we know that the only sustainable change is through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. We know that. It's not our program. It's not nothing to do with that. Although that's important, they need structure and discipline. It's a change from the inside out. And uh, we believe that God can take what is broken and he can fix it. And this is what you hear in stories of people's lives who have been broken that have now been fixed. So on that note, I'm going to ask Myrion, where are you? Where's Myrion? Or Taff, as he's more commonly known, to come up. Come on up, Myrion. Let's welcome him as he comes to share his story. Good morning. You can call me Taff because there's no way you'll be able to pronounce Mighty on ever ends. I come out of my mother's womb at about 100 miles an hour, five weeks early, and she says I've never stopped since. And uh, it's kind of been the story of my life, really. Uh, whatever I do, I, I tend to do uh, wholeheartedly and 100%. And uh, growing up in the valleys of South Wales, quite, uh, quite a depressed area in a lot of ways, uh, not a lot to do. So you find yourself going down the wrong path, getting into the things that you shouldn't be doing. And uh, that led to a, a series of visits to the local police station. Then I graduated to prison uh, where I met uh, Pastor Richard Taylor. I've been stuck with him ever since. That was 20 years ago. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, yeah, we was in prison together. Uh, Pastor Richard went on to Victory Outreach. Uh, he got bail, Jamie Git, and I got eight, and I got 18 months in prison. So uh, I went down to Portland, and upon my release, I came to Victory Outreach. I first walked through the door. I thought they were all crackers. I thought they were all still on drugs, arms in the air, praising God. And I thought, nah, 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 this is nuts. So I lasted three weeks, was it? Three weeks. I thought, bang, I'm off on my toes. But uh, something inside me just kept drawing me back. So you've got to go back. You've got to go back. So I came back. Uh, I think the second time I was there, this might go on a bit. I've been a few times. The second time I was there, I, I, I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And um, the only way I can explain this is if he was to take a piece out of a jigsaw, and you was to change the shape of that piece and then try and put that piece back in the jigsaw, it doesn't fit. And when I walked away from God, that's exactly what happened to my life. When I tried to go back to the world that I thought I belonged to, my life, even in the short time I had known God, had been changed. Some rough edges have been taken off this diamond. Amen? And, uh, <laughs> and I just didn't fit. I just didn't fit back into where I thought I belonged. And, you know, for a lot of years, I, I, I've come to God. I've run from God. My, my life, I suppose, has been like watching a game of Pastor Richard's golf. It's a very bad game of golf where you zigzag all the way down the fairway, you know, and <laughs> that's been my life. So, you know, Thank I'm, you very much, Doc. God bless you. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, instead of going, obviously, straight for the pin, I, I veered to the left, and God, in his grace, has brought me back in. <laughs> yeah, I literally went for the pin, yeah. And, uh, and then I'd go to the right, and God in, in his mercy again. You know, and God has been guiding my life all, all, all the way through. And I just thank him this morning for his grace and his mercy and his love. He's blessed me with a lovely wife and two beautiful children. You can't ask for any more than what God has given me. But if you don't commit your life to Jesus and you don't follow Jesus with all your heart, there's still something lacking. You know, you can have everything that you ask God for, but if you take that back and you don't honor God with what he's given you, 
you'll still not be satisfied. It's only when you live for Jesus that you find satisfaction of your soul. You know, and we have the privilege now. We're, uh, I work with Pastor Rich. We built uh, Cumbrand Church. We've we done Merthyr Church. We've messed about with Bream. And, you know, I'll just pray that, you know, God will continue to raise up an army of young men and women who have no formal education in the ways of religion, but are just hungry and passionate to see the souls that are lost brought into the kingdom of God. So please pray for us. Keep us in your prayers. Amen? That'll do. Cheers. Thanks, Tar. Your Bible. Hello, I'm Laura from Birmingham. <laughs> um, growing up for me was pretty hard. Um, my stepdad, I mean, my dad, uh, was very violent to my mum and, and us kids. But we soon got out of that. My mum met my stepdad, and it was it married him. It was really great at first. Everything was going well until my mum uh, lost her hand when I was 14 and her two fingers um, on her left. And it was really difficult because my stepdad had to work, pay the mortgage. So I had to do all the cooking, cleaning and look after my brother. But it, it was pretty hard because she was in hospital for a while. Um, I kept getting in trouble at school though. And I was trying to be good. But... Um, then after a, uh, a while, I met a lad as <laughs> a baby. My stepdad hated him, but um, he loved my son to bits. And then um, I'd been started smoking a bit of cannabis. Then uh, one night, my stepdad suddenly died. It wasn't expected. My mum really fell apart. So I was trying to be there for her. Plus, um, it was a shock to me. Plus... <laughs> I'd uh, finished with my son's dad, so my head was all over the place. So I started taking even more drugs. Um, then um, I fell pregnant from with my daughter. Her dad's from Malta, and he wanted me to move over there. And I couldn't because my son, like, got his football team. He was eight at the time. His school, his dad was saying, you, you take my son, that'd be it. And so I felt like I was being pulled one way, then the other. So um, I was introduced to heroin, just in a spliff. I thought it was just about smoking cannabis until I suffered withdrawals. Um, I even phoned the doctors. I was that naive. And then it got worse. I started uh, taking crack. In between this, I was working and trying to bring up two kids on my own, plus the arguments between their dads, between themselves. And plus I was trying to help my mum as well still. And which just tended to make me worse. I went deeper into drugs. Then I went to my mum and I confessed because I was worried about my kids. And she just couldn't get her breath. She says, you're on heroin crack, what's that? And um, she says, how have you managed to do a job for kids? She was really upset and it hit her really hard. And my son was playing up at school. I had phone calls at work saying... He's jumped out the classroom window, so I'd have to go looking for him. And so it put a lot of pressure on. Uh, my mum was going mad. She says, oh, I wouldn't stand it. And I says, Mum, I've been trying for a while. He hates school. Ever since he was five, he cried from the time he got in there till the time he come out. And um, his dad says, well, I'll have him for a bit. So he went to live with his dad for a year. He didn't go to school for seven months. Thought that wasn't that much help. 
Well, uh, I really put my heart into it. My kids, I've got to get off this crack and heroin. Well, I did that, and life was going great. And then I met this bloke who was really violent. You might have uh, seen him on the front page of the Birmingham News. He was uh, really horrible. But at first, he seemed like, you know, the answer to everything. He seemed really nice. Well, he, he just got from one extreme to the other. I found myself flying to protect him. I was drinking so much because I was having panic attacks, um, anxiety attacks. I constantly drink from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. I was having to lie saying, I broke my arm falling off the bike. I broke my wrist going down the flat stairs. You know, um, I knocked my two front teeth out. I was literally terrified of him. I'd just drink a bottle. He'd even buy me a bottle of brandy to, you know, calm myself down afterwards. Um, he'd locked me in the flat, and it was that bad. I climbed out, tried to climb out the 11th floor window because I just didn't care. I just thought I, was, I could see no way out of it. He's going, yeah, let your son know. He says, and I'll batter him too. So I just used to lie and lie. They, people started to know, but I just started to drink more and more and blamed it on the drink. Then um, uh, the one night, um, well, it, yeah, the one night, uh, I knew a kid who'd not long been moved into the flat under social services. He's only 28. He'd, uh, his mum had been beating him up and things like that. As a child, he grew up with that. So I ended up talking to him, and he was like, you've got to leave him. And I was like, I've tried. He will kill me. Or, you know, it, something's really going to bad happen, but he will kill me. He said he'd rather kill me than see me with anyone else. I said, and he means it. And he was going, no, you just walk with me and say, you're going. And I said, he says, so where are you going? I says, I'm, I'm, go I'm leaving you. Uh, he says, you've tried that before. It doesn't work. And this kid, Daniel, his name was, he says, well, she is. And he's gone to me, come on. Well, he booted me. He pulled out his metal bar. He had a metal bar. And uh, he beat Daniel really bad. There was blood everywhere. It was such a bad beating. I didn't know what to do. I just went into shock. Uh, he, he ran then, I found an ambulance. And I, after that, I just constantly drank even more and more and more. I said to me, mum, my family was worried about my sanity. Um, they just thought, you know, you've got to sort yourself out. Um, they offered me to go in court to testify, which I wanted to do because I didn't want him to get away with this, what he'd done to this young man. And he was so brave and he did it for me. So I thought, I've got to do it. But the thought of it, even the police says, we're going to put screens up, don't worry. But the thought, I, just, I was just drinking and drinking and drinking. I thought, I just want to die. If I die, it'd be all right. And I said to my mum, I want to die. I can't take no more. Now, mum says, you've been through loads, Laura. You dusted yourself off and you've carried on and you've got through it. You've got two gorgeous kids that have grown up and they're a credit to you. Just pull yourself together. And I was going, I don't want, I can't do this. And I walked out the house, I went and bought two cans, sat in the street, smoking, having the cans. And I was thinking, I can't. It, it was my birthday the next day, and I didn't want to see. And this Volkswagen's gone past. And uh, it's turned back round and come past. Well, where I lived, you got up, like, I was like, whoa. And this short, chubby woman got out, she come up to me, and she goes, um, don't think I'm mad. And I thought, well, <laughs> she says, but God's asked me to come back for you. I was like, whoa, yeah? <laughs> and she went, you need love. And I just burst out crying and I says, I don't want to live another day. I says, I can't cope anymore. 
And uh, she says, hey, I'll, I'll walk you back round. And I says, well, I'm at my mum's. So she walked me back to my mum's. And I've gone into the house and I've gone to me Mind you, I'd gone out, look, I want to die, I've had enough, end of world. And I've come back in and going, hey, mum. She went, well, I've never heard the weirdest thing. I said, this woman's asked me to come back. This woman's been asked by God to come back for me. She was like, oh, you need help. You've definitely lost the plot, girl. And I was going, no, mum, serious? And she was just like, oh, you know, you're mad. <laughs> then the next day, she turned up with a big bouquet of flowers, um, a plant, and a card was saying, um, remember, God loves you. Well, she got onto Victory Outreach for me because I'd been waiting. But because of my health, they wouldn't put me in an NHS one. They kept holding it off for more doctor's things. And, and uh, she come back and she went, I mean, have you got me in? You've got me in. I thought, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to get out of it. And uh, she went, they said you're a bit old. I thought, what? Well, that's not nice. <laughs> and she went, don't worry, I'm going to sort it. So I thought, well... And then I ended up, she brought me down to Victory. <laughs> and um, it was great. I walked through the door and I haven't had such a calm piece of, it was just amazing because I was always on edge or uh, I walked in, the girls were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I never thought much about the Christian side at the time. I just thought, so I, I'm gone. And, but... I got into praying, reading the Bible, love church, love to have a good sing, even though I can't sing, but <laughs> I have a go. <laughs> I got into my Bible, um, I thought everything was all right after six months, but, and I went, I thought, thanks God, mate, see you later, I'm sorted, which I wasn't, they'd let him out of jail and loads of other stuff. I ended up back again, so I've been here seven months now. Um, it's been absolutely great. I'm into the Bible, I remember scriptures, which I'd like to recite one. It's my favourite. It's Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. But um, it has been great, um, and I've got God to thank for that. Um, my kids are so proud of me. Um, my daughter sent a letter saying... Can't divert it, but she says, There's a song that really reminds me of you. I've got to find out what it is. It's got to be in the charts. And it says, Mummy went to work to church every day to find faith in God because the real world hurts. <laughs> and it broke my heart. But I've got God to, and victory outreach, of course. And the girls, I mean, I've never felt so safe. And I've got hope now, which I hadn't had for a very, very long time. So all the praise to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Well done. Well done.